Welcome to the Special Needs Navigator podcast, hosted by Eric Jorgensen. As a widowed father of an adult son with several challenges, primarily autism, Eric has and continues to walk the path many of you are on now. This podcast will introduce and explain resources and services that may assist in your journey. The views and opinions of our guests are their own and do not necessarily represent those of Eric Jorgensen or Special Needs Navigator. Welcome, everybody. Today, I have Janet Price from College Living Experience. Janet is the National Director of Admissions and Outreach, and she's been with College Living Experience for a few years now. Today, she's going to share with us who College Experience is, what types of students work best with College Living Experience, and if you're curious where you can go to learn a little bit more. We're also going to make sure that we touch on what the different programs and services College Living Experience offers, because there's a lot. And I learned something every time I talk to Janet. So I'm really looking forward to this. I think everybody will enjoy it. And without much further ado, I'm going to turn this over to Janet, let her share a little bit about herself, and we'll dive into college living experience. Thanks for having me. So I am the National Director of Admissions and Outreach for CLE. I've been with the company for about five years. I have also co-authored two books on disabilities, Take Control of Asperger's Syndrome and Take Control of Dyslexia. But more important than all of those professional credentials, I'm also the parent of two young adults with disabilities. One of my young adults, who is now 27, you know, had an IEP in school and a learning disability. My other child is 24, and she has a physical disability, multiple sclerosis. Despite these challenges, my kids have been able to complete college, graduate school, and are both working in their chosen fields. That's part of what draws me to CLE, not only the mission of this wonderful company, but the fact that it aligns so perfectly with the path I've had to walk as a mother. And and I got to tell you, I didn't know for the longest time any place like CLE existed. And I think it's amazing what they do and the fact they can be found all over the country. And it's a good segue to talk about what exactly do they do? Correct. So CLE provides post-secondary wraparound supports in the areas of academics, career development, social skills, and independent living skills. And we'll talk a little bit about each of those different domains. We serve young adults 18 and over, and uh, we don't really have an age limit. Our oldest is usually we've had students 28, 29, 30. And we have students who start at 18 or 21 right out of high school. And we have students who start after trying some college or spending some time at home and then deciding to take that next step forward towards independence. About three quarters of our students are on the autism spectrum. We do very well in that wheelhouse. But the other 25% are a mixed bag of disabilities, a lot of ADHD, executive function, learning disabilities, BP, traumatic brain injury. It runs the gamut. And our students run the gamut, too. There is no ceiling or floor in terms of IQ for CLE because we individualize our services. We meet our students where they are. So we have students who are very obviously impacted by their disability, and we have students who are what you would call twice exceptional, gifted and learning disabled. And are they required to have a 504 to work with you? No. As part of the admissions process, we do ask to see if they've had an IEP or a 504. But as you know, once you get to the post-secondary scenario, although the post-secondary supports fall under Section 504 in the American with Disabilities Act, 
there is not a 504 plan per se for college. It's really more a list of accommodations that you can receive. And so we do work with our students to help them access those accommodations while they are not required to have a 504 or IEP in order to come to CLE because some students come from private schools that don't have those. They will need some psychoeducational testing to give to the college in order to access uh, or some medical testing to access those accommodations. And I'm, I'm sure we're going to touch on this in more depth, but it's my understanding you really help the students learn how to self-advocate for themselves as well, right? Absolutely, we do. That is a big part of our academic support. Now, I want to emphasize that although we're called college living experience, we're really more about the living experience than the college piece. We do have students on two tracks. Not all of them are going to college. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But for those students who are, we have some very significant and helpful academic supports. First of all, we have six centers around the country, and each center is co-located near a variety of colleges, community colleges, four-year universities. Our centers are in Rockville, Maryland, Davie, Florida, Austin, Texas, Denver, Colorado, two in California, Monterey, and Costa Mesa. And actually, this fall, we're opening our seventh center in Nashville. So we're really nationwide. Students come to us from all over the country, just like packing up and going to college, just like their siblings and your typical peers that they're with. So what we do is we actually connect with the colleges and universities that are nearby in Rockville, Maryland, for instance. The center is located very close walking distance to Montgomery College, which is a very highly regarded community college. And so typically our students will start there and we start our students slow at all of our centers. We'll start them with two classes per semester. Really the study and academic requirements of college classes are so much different than those in high school, especially if our students have come from a small nurturing supportive environment or had a lot of scaffolding. So we start with two because we wanna set them up for success. And typically they will take a core class, an English, writing, mathematics, something that can transfer out eventually, and one fun class, whether it's digital photography or choir or um, theater, just something to show you that college is a whole different landscape than high school and can be a lot of fun too. So as I mentioned, we do help our students to get accommodations at the college. That's very important. And that's where that self-advocacy comes in, Eric, that you had spoken about, because in order to get accommodations in college, you need to self-identify as a student with a disability, connect with the disability support services. They'll review your qualifications, give you a letter outlining your accommodations, and then you have to hand deliver that letter to each of your professors. And this happens every semester. So as you can imagine, for students with executive function or self-advocacy challenges, that's a really tough process to navigate. So we help and we make sure that they do that. More than that, we have our own staff of tutors at our centers as well. And this is not a peer tutoring situation. Our staff has at least a bachelor and most have or are working on advanced degrees while they're with us at CLE. And our students are going to get one-to-one tutoring five days a week, every day, whether they have their class that day or not. Their tutoring will either be one-to-one with the tutor for the entire hour, or it'll be a shared session. We have individual tutoring rooms. And so a shared session means that the tutor will drop in on one student, start them off, go to another student. This really helps for our students to learn how to maintain their effort. And then our students will also have supervised independent study every day as well. So all or most of the work is going to be done at the center. And our tutors are trained not only to give content support, which some students need, but some don't, but a lot of it is the executive function support. 
So we are breaking down the syllabus, forming an academic plan every week, really helping with a check-in every day. Okay, we planned to read two chapters last night. Did that happen? If not, why not? Did it not happen because it was too much work or because you were distracted and we have to come up with other strategies? And by the way, let's revamp that academic plan so that we catch you back up. So those are the sorts of things that we're doing in our tutoring program. And you've been able to do that with COVID and everything else since you have to maintain social distancing. Uh, you mentioned yeah. when we talked that CLE has really been able to roll with the punches and not have to shut down. You've actually been able to continue, just pivot and continue delivery. I found that amazing. Thank you. We're so proud of that. And that's a message we're giving to parents who are looking at our fall program for this year as well, is that should there be a second spike, you know, we're not necessarily sending students home. Our students live in apartments with our support. So it's not a dormitory situation. So our students at all of our centers, for the most part, have stayed in their apartments and we have adapted and started providing our services virtually. Tutoring was very easy because students are taking classes online. So it was very natural for them to have their tutoring sessions moved online as well. We're using Zoom and doing it that way. Some of our other areas were a little bit more challenging. We do support our students in the apartment with their independent living skills. And when that can't be done in person, we've had students walking through their apartment with their iPhones or their iPads. And it's things like, show me what's in your refrigerator. Let's look at the expiration dates. Show me how you sorted your laundry. And so we're going through with all of that. Our social skills have moved online too. I'll talk a little bit about that. But yeah, we, we have been able to really adapt very easily. And now the exciting thing is that as restrictions are starting to be lifted nationwide, we're starting to very slowly and thoughtfully phase back in some of those in-person supports. As a parent, thinking about the fact that, let's say my son or daughter went to live on their own anyway, without CLE, they'd have to figure all this out. COVID happened whether you were part of CLE or not. So the fact that you guys are available and providing services, we're able to pivot to me as a parent. I think it's fantastic. You know, we have independent living up. I know for me, that's one of the things I'm working most heavily on with my son. So I have the most personal interest on this. It sounds like everything you've shared with me, it's a lot. And a lot that children don't necessarily respond as well when it's mom or dad telling them to do something or suggesting or trying to coach them to do something because it's mom and dad. Exactly. And, you know, it's interesting because one of the admissions requirements that we have for CLE, we do talk to the young adults and they have to demonstrate that they are willing and able to partner with us. Because as you kind of pointed out, at 18 and above, there's not a whole lot you can do punitively if someone does not want to be there and does not want to participate. So that's a conversation we definitely have during our admissions meeting, uh, apart from the parents. And it doesn't mean that our students are going to wake up every morning and be, oh, I'm so excited. I'm at CLE. Uh, (laughs) There are going to be some times that, you know, they're using avoidance strategies and, and they're shutting down. But at least we can go back to that initial conversation and say, all right, this is hard. This is not easy. And you're here because you want to be able to master these skills and partner with us. So that is a very important point that you bring up there. But uh, in terms of the independent living, as I mentioned, our students at all of our centers live in apartments that are near the center. Typically, it's going to be a two-bedroom apartment. So the nice thing during this COVID-19 is our students were not completely isolated. They had their roommate. Uh, you know, they're alone together. 
<laughs> but at least having that additional human contact has been so important for a lot of them. So they're two-bedroom apartments. They each have their own bedroom. They share a bathroom, kitchen, living room, dining room space. You know, and obviously a lot of our students don't have a whole lot of experience in household upkeep. A lot of them come to us. Maybe they know how to run a vacuum and make a bed, but they've probably never cleaned a toilet. Or as I mentioned before, even if you know how to grocery shop and cook, do you know the check for expiration dates and throw things away, you know, and not eat the turkey with the rainbow colored slime on top of it? <laughs> so, so these are all things that we're doing. We're coming up with chore rotations. We're helping with meal planning for the week and generating a grocery list and going to the grocery store, learning to cook learning to use public transportation. Obviously, during COVID-19, that's not running and, and that's not happening so much. But in um, typical times, we are teaching our students to use public bus systems in the D.C. area, the metro, subways in other areas, a lot of walking to get around. A lot of our students aren't driving. And so we want to make sure that they're able to access what they need to access with public transportation. I like that because I want to highlight here much of what you're helping these young adults learn is stuff that their peers who may not have any disabilities, a lot of their peers are learning the same things. So it's not like these young adults are on an island somewhere being ostracized because they're learning something that nobody else has to know. Everything you're teaching them is very appropriate for their age group and their fellow peers. And I think that's really important to highlight and capture. That's so true. Our students really are a part of their community. The apartments they're living in, their next door neighbors are probably not going to be with the program. It may be a young family. It may be uh, other young adults, but they are really building those community connections and learning how to navigate those independently. And uh, I think community other, connections is a good segue to talk about the social development. Absolutely. So social skills is a big part of our program, as you can imagine. And all of our students have some difficulty in this area, whether it stems from being on the autism spectrum or whether it's our students with ADHD that have such impulsivity that they're going to be talking over people or they've had a difficult time maintaining friendships. It's important to note that CLE is a safe space. There's no bullying that goes on there. There is a lot of tolerance in terms of, first of all, disability, but also gender race, any type of differences. These are students who are very much aware that they are different and they're proud to be different. And they're very accepting of others who are different too. So that's a wonderful place, first of all, to start. And then we have some structured supports with socials as well. So we have whole group outings, small groups, and one-to-one -one peer coaching. The one-to-one -one coaching, we actually hire part-time employees who are graduate students. And they're majoring in social work, special education, or psychology. So they're closer to our students' age. And they take them out one-to-one -one in the community. In fact, as we are slowly reopening with restrictions being lifted, this will probably be one of the in-person services that comes back first. Because it can actually take place outside with masks six feet apart. You can take a walk with your social coach and talk and do that. So we're looking forward to seeing our students again in person and not just through Zoom. Our students get an hour of social coaching every week. We try to get them out in the community, just someone there by your side to kind of help you process social interactions in real time as they're happening. We also have small social engagement groups and um, students are really learning from each other 
about appropriate peer interactions. It's so much more impactful when they're hearing from one another. You know, it's rude to talk over me. It's rude to turn around when I'm talking and be texting on your phone. We also have our social engagement groups, and this is so cool. We have them plan their own kinds of activities and outings. Because so many of them have taken social skills groups, which are great at the younger ages, but there's always, you know, an activity that's already planned. All they have to do is show up. And so they get to 18 and above and their typical peers are accustomed to making plans. There isn't that social network as an adult. You have to work a little bit harder to find that. So we've had students, we've actually taught them how to do a group text. They've done that before, you know, to keep in touch with one another, going out on different outings. Our social coaches, again, will go out with them if they decide to, say, go to an over-18 dance club because really can't pay me enough to go to an over-18 dance club with my students. (laughs) But our social coaches are perfectly happy to do that. (laughs) You're doing, like you said, real life things that everyone in the community is doing, that they just need a little support to actively learn those skills that may just be coming innately to their neurotypical peers. So when I was in the Navy, I had roommates and sometimes roommates would have challenges and trying to resolve those challenges, especially when you have two people with very strong opinions, strongly held, can be very challenging. I would imagine that your peer mentors or your social coaches can help de-escalate, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we actually, we schedule roommate meetings. Our students each have a staff member who's their advisor. So we really do encourage them if anything is going on with the roommate to come to us and sit down and actively problem solve. And I'll tell you, nine times out of 10, when there are things going on between our roommates, it usually boils down to a communication issue. More than anything else. (laughs) I mean, one example I love to give when I was working at the Rockville Center, I had on my caseload two wonderful young men who were roommates, sweetest guys. And I'd sit down with them during advising and, you know, everything okay in the apartment and talking to them separately. And one of them was like, well, no, not really. If there's a problem there. Okay, what's what's going on? Well, he keeps putting the air up. And I keep turning it down and he keeps putting it up and I keep turning it down and it's so uncomfortable. And neither one of them ever thought to just talk to the other one and say, hey, what's a comfortable temperature for you? How can we work this out? So we went in, we spoke with them, we showed them you know, how to close a vent so that the air isn't coming in. We agreed on a comfortable temperature. So it's little things like that. But, you know... All of us, whether we have a disability or not, it's those little things that get stuck in your craw and that really drive you crazy. And so (laughs) if you've got that going on, plus it doesn't come naturally to you to verbally problem solve, that just really exacerbates it. And we don't ever want it to get like that. So, yeah, that's a huge part of what we do. Awesome. And then that's a good way of going into career development, right? And how to build your career because problem solving A lot of times it could be you misheard or your boss may have said something, but maybe you misinterpreted a tone or inserted a tone that didn't exist. Or I've been guilty of this. Boss wasn't very clear. So I do what they think they told me to do. They're upset with me. I don't understand why. So I get upset at them. I'm sure that didn't work out so well in the Navy. (laughs) (laughs) I usually lost. (laughs) 
But all of that is so true. And not only that, but add that anxiety piece that most of our students have as well. Now, we're not a therapeutic program, but that having been said, almost all students with varying degrees of disability have accompanying anxiety that travels with that. Our students are welcome to see a therapist outside of the program, uh, and most of them do, and that's fine. So one of the areas of anxiety that I've seen with our students, for instance, is asking for time off. You know, they know there's a family vacation coming up, but they're so afraid that the boss is going to say no to the time off that they they procrastinate and they put it off and they put it off. And then when they finally do ask for time off a week before they're ready to go, the answer is no, because there wasn't enough time. So we have a lot of ways that we work with our students. We have one-to-one career support and we're doing things like building resumes and cover letters and actually calling people to see if they'll serve as references, learning how to do a job search. And then we have small groups where we do discuss these career workshops, where we do discuss these kinds of skills. We role play. We talk about students who are employed, talk to students who are looking for work and some of the challenges they've come across. And and of course, as long as a student is willing to disclose that they have a disability, which we strongly, strongly advise, but it is their choice at 18 and above, then we can also serve as resources for students as well. When, When there is an issue or some problem solving needed on the job, we can go there, we can shadow, we can speak with management and work things out. One of the things we do for all of our students, whether they're coming to us as academic or career students, we give them the Greenwood assessment, which is really a lot of fun for our students. It's a lot of questions about your wants and your needs and your personality. And it gives a really thorough report back with top 10 career choices, bottom 10 career choices, and about 100 career choices in between. You know, we typically... Like all young adults, we get a lot of students who have absolutely no idea what they want to do. And so this informs, (laughs) yeah, not only career, but it informs what classes to take, too, if they are on the academic track. And then we also, working with students on the spectrum, we do get a cohort of students who have very specific ideas about what they want to do, which may or may not be realistic. Not everybody can be a video game designer. So we can look at other career choices that tick some of those boxes about the things that they like about that career that maybe they've never thought of. But the thing I like most about our program, and I think that really differentiates us from all of the other post-secondary options out there, is our students have the flexibility to go back and forth between an academic and a career path or to even do a little bit of both. So even if they come to us and say, you know, I'm on an academic path, we've had students who really thought that that's what their path was going to be. And then even with all of the support from our tutors and from our staff, the impact of their disability was such that they were not able to be successful in their classes. And unlike a college program or or other programs, they didn't have to consider that a failure and pack up and go home. But we just pivot over to a career track. Okay, let's take a semester off from classes. Let's focus on what kind of career development can we do? Perhaps we're in the position where we're not going to look at an AA, but maybe some vocational training. We can do that too. It's really all about being independent and not so much being independent with a degree or without a degree, but how are you going to learn to live on your own, take care of yourself, make some money? and pay those bills. So it's really nice to be able to go back and forth between 
those domains. And I, and I like that because in my experience, there are people that just aren't cut out for college for whatever reason. Their passions either don't require a degree or they're just not well suited for the rigidity of if you want a degree, you have to do X, Y, and Z. Again, I don't think it's unique to the individuals who have disabilities. I think it's across the board. But what I like is there's a resource available for the individuals who don't have disabilities. I think there's a lot of resources that people can readily point to. I love the fact that if you have a disability, now there's a resource that families and individuals can turn to that a more traditional tool wouldn't work, right? I mean, because if I understand correctly, the independent living and social skills are available for either path, right? Correct, yes. I mean, that's a big deal to me. It really is. We are raising young adults, disability aside, we're helping young adults achieve independence and achieve their dreams. Our support to design, we really pile them on up front. And as our students start to master skills, we step back. Typically, our student stays at CLE for two to three years. So they're not necessarily even finishing a degree with us. But when they leave us, our hope is they're able to live on their own. They're able to work. If they're going to college, they're able to do that and maybe access the supports that are on campus, you know, and feel comfortable doing that. I agree. So in winding down... Is there anything I should have asked that I didn't ask? I want to make sure I highlight, even though we keep saying we reference back to one of the six locations, you don't have to be near a physical location. I want to make sure I stress that. That's absolutely true because our students are living in the apartment and you don't even have to stay in your physical vicinity. I mean, if you're in New England and you've got grandparents in Florida and you want to look into our Davie Fort Lauderdale Center, awesome. We all operate under the same umbrella, so it's the same services and the same program at each center. And this is the best way to reach you? Would you say email or the 800 number? Which would you prefer people do? Either one is fine. If you want to reach me directly, shoot me an email. The 800 number is a great way to talk about your particular needs and get information about any of our centers. Holly Durston is our national admissions line specialist who answers. It's only one person who answers that 800 number. Uh, You know, you're not going to a call center or anything like that. And she has very specific information about all of our centers and can really talk in depth about your needs. And are you guys available all year round or is it certain like colleges or certain enrollment periods or, or can people talk to you any time of the year? Absolutely. We are a 12 month at a time program. We are fully staffed and running through the summer. Our students do not go home. They take summer session one or summer session two classes at the colleges, or they continue to work because we don't want them gone for an extended period of time where they're going to backslide. You know, we're really working on these skills. Along with this, we do have rolling admissions. A student can really start at any time during the year. Most typically, students are going to start in the fall or the spring, especially if they're academic, because that aligns with the semesters at college. But we've had students start with us over the summer. Right now with COVID-19, we are starting as we typically do in the fall. Our orientation is going to be virtual and some supports, depending on what state you're in and and what phase they're in in terms of reopening, some supports may begin as virtual and slowly phase back in person. We're following CDC and exceeding CDC's guidelines and just really working very carefully. So things will go back and forth. But we do plan on that regular fall start for families who maybe aren't ready to think about their student 
moving into a new apartment in August. They can start in September or October, but we need to have that initial conversation, application and paperwork and all of that and kind of get the ball rolling. And then we can be flexible in terms of the supports that we're offering. Yeah, and I would tell families the earlier the better just to take the opportunity to travel to and near the center closest to you or the center you're thinking about attending, get a feel for it, maybe go two or three times or whatever. Because I, I never felt that you rushed families or anything. I mean, I, I think you'll agree it's really important families feel comfortable. And, and the student has to feel comfortable, right? I mean, it's all about the right fit. There's no obligation to visit or to speak with us. It's a process and we want to set our students up for success. We want to make sure that we can support the students' needs. And if we can't, we're going to be real upfront about that and refer you to other places that might be a better fit. And as I mentioned, we have sometimes parents come and and they're like, oh, this is the best thing we've ever seen. And the students not feeling it. (laughs) That's okay. They can come back another time. We, we are not going to press anybody into, <laughs> into joining us or force anybody. They have to be there. You know, the other thing I wanted to mention too, Eric, is you've been so tremendously helpful with our families. This is a private pay program, although one mechanism a lot of families have been accessing successfully is ABLE accounts because we are a qualified disability expense. And I know that personally, you've been very, very helpful as a financial advisor for several of our CLE families and helping them find creative ways to meet those those needs. So thank you for that. (laughs) Thank you, Janet. On that note, we're going to wrap it up and I will talk to you later, Janet. Okay. Thank you so much, Eric. Great to see you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Special Needs Navigator podcast. We invite your feedback and comments. Please leave a review wherever you're listening and hit like, follow, and share to help spread the word. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. For show notes, information about our guests, and more information about Special Needs Navigator, please visit www.specialneedsnavigator.us.